Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media, RestoringTheFaith.com. Welcome back to another episode of Living the Faith, coming at you from the heart of America. Today we've got Joe, Mike, and Tom in studio, and our first guest of the show, Chris Syker, is joining us from somewhere south of the heart of America. And today we're going to talk about the crisis of masculinity in our culture. There is a tragic lack of manhood within our society, and the institution of masculinity, in fact, is under attack. It is labeled as toxic, and it is ascribed as something that we are to not only avoid, but eliminate. So let's talk about that. Chris, how many boys do you have in your family right now? We have nine boys and four girls, so a total of 13. Wow. Congratulations. But the first six were boys. Six in a row. <laughs> That's a good story. Well, five boys, and then we had twins, so it was a boy and a girl. So, okay. so that kind of broke, the, uh, broke the, uh, the trend. Wow. Wow. And what we were struck by so much and why we wanted to bring you in here is um, just some of the uh, techniques and tactics that you have used. Now, tell me the ages of your boys from oldest to youngest. The oldest is 19, and the youngest is two months. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Freshly 13. <laughs> I, I, I had to think about that. I was like, two months or was it three? Okay, it's somewhere around two months, two and a half months. By the, by the time the show is published, <laughs> that'll, that'll be stale. <laughs> Okay, so you've got nine boys stretching from newborn to 19. What What is your 19-year-old doing these days? Okay, so 19 is in finishing his first year in college. Um, I have another son who just graduated from high school, the next one down, um, and then uh, down the run. Amazing, amazing. He's he's mouthing to me right now. I don't know all the ages. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I, just, I know I know them roughly. I look, know them look, roughly. look, look. I'm not, look, I, okay, at five, I don't even know the ages of mine, so I can't imagine... Well, uh, it, it, it actually is pretty. It's like it's like uh, 15, 13, 12, 11, 10. You're literally just nine. saying numbers right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how it goes down. Yeah. I think there was a year we skipped in there. Um, okay, so um, and you've moved, uh, you've moved around. You've lived in various places, but you've been in one one general location for a while. Yes. Yeah. For how long? So we have we've been in Northwest Arkansas for. Uh, for 19 years, okay, minus two we that we spent in Minnesota, okay, so 17 years. And um, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is um, cultivating a unauthentic masculinity. And you know, Joe, I think we've talked about a lot of times the difference between authentic masculinity and its vice, which is effeminacy. Correct. So as we previously previously stated. Before this is specifically different from the feminine femininity, femininity, right? right. Yeah. Uh, effeminacy has to do with things that are um, sp- supposed to be masculine that are now taking on the qualities 
of feminine. So in its improper use, it is an it is a an abuse or a um. Uh, what I want to say. It's like a shortfall. I think Aquinas yeah. would define it as... What's well, an inversion? An, an, it's an aversion to the arduous. Correct. In its exactly, essence. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's, my, that's my understanding, is that it's more of masculinity is sacrifice. The feminist is when you lack the sacrifice, lack the ability to do hard things. So you, um, you are cultivating this willingness and this ability within your nine boys to seek the arduous, or at least to not shy away from it, and to do hard things... One of the ways that we were talking about that I think is so interesting, and I want to explore this as, a, as almost as a case study, is you've got a cabin. Tell us about your cabin. Yeah, so we've had a cabin for 10 years, and I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. So one of the hardest things that I see in modern culture and in modern homes is that there's just nothing for boys to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's no hard work. I mean, obviously they can do the lawn work. They can... Uh, they can do dishes, right? You can clean. You can take the trash out. But in general, most homes today, they're nice. They're done. Like the drywall's done. Uh, the plumbing's done, right? So all these things are done. So normal things that you would you would, you would would train a boy in, uh, they're just not there uh, by, ne- by like, they're just, just not there, right? I mean, okay, the plumbing can break. You can have maybe, maybe they, they flush an apple down the toilet, which has happened several times. Okay, you got to change the toilet out. Uh, but in general... Uh, they're, they, it's like, there's nothing to do. So after we had, let's see, we had the twins in Minnesota, we came back. I felt this urge to like get out. Um, we lived in the city. Uh, we had, we had a home, very nice homes, very, very nice homes, backyard. Uh, but I really felt the need to get out with my boys. Um, Mm -hmm. and we started off, the first thing we did, we started off going to my mother's, she had a, um, my mother-in-law had a a little, uh, it was, actually it wasn't little, it was pretty big, but a house right by the river. Okay. And so we go there on the weekends, and it was, it, it, we go, like, every other weekend when her other children weren't there. <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> fighting for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to come to the story in a second here. So we went to this home, and we just, we really enjoyed it. The boys got out. They played. Uh, they could be free. There was, like, lots of, it was lots of room. Still nothing to do, okay, because the house was nice. It was neat, right? I mean, we still cleaned up. But it that kind of gave us a taste Saying, you know, we really got to get out into into the country. At the same time, I read some books, and these books were talking about just the benefits of being able with having animals, the benefits of uh, of living a country life, and that kind of started our journey. So, what like what pushed me over the limit was that my the family they like there were several weekends we couldn't go because they wanted to use it, and I was like, okay, that's it, like we're done. I'm buying a place, uh, and so we looked and looked and looked, and we finally found a place of 20 acres uh, in the woods. Uh, it was a cabin, um, guy's first cabin. That's going to come into the story later on. Uh, so it, it wasn't like those beautiful cabin, but it was a cabin, yeah, uh, with land, uh, with a little bit of pasture, with, with some trees, and so uh, we made the decision to buy to buy land and to buy a cabin. So I think it's I think it's pretty um, it's pretty easy for our listeners, particularly in the urban areas, to have a romanticized vision for going out into the country and living in the woods, right? <laughs> did you did you have that vision? Did you do you feel like you underestimated the amount of work that would go into it or the type of work? So no, because I just never romanticized it. I mean, for me, it was, it, you know, it, it, that's part of the reason we went out there. Okay. So this, if you follow the storyline here, we had, you know, you're in the city with your boys, there's really nothing to do. And so 
a lot of times, right, is that effeminate, right? Now, I don't know if I'm describing it right, Joseph, so kick sure. in here, but yeah. my thought on that is is the lack of doing hard things, okay, the lack of sacrifice, right? And that, and that lack of sacrifice comes in later on to vice and virtue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the ability to say no in hard times. Uh, so, um, no, I did not ro- romanticize it. We knew it would be a lot of hard work, but that's what we really, that's what we wanted. We wanted that ability. And so the first time we bought the cabin, we had to completely gut it. And so that was the first project. So I actually took my boys out there. At the time, it was, um, it was probably my my four boys because the other ones are too small. We'd go out there for the weekends, and we would just work on it. We slept, like, uh, inside, no central heat and air. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, we renovated it. And so that was the that was kind of the kickoff into working with my boys. It was the kickoff into doing projects with them and teaching them how to how to um how to use tools. Uh what, as what was your what was prior to that, what was your background? Like how handy were you? Um did you have a very large set of tools and you know were you were you already in had you ever been in construction or what you know what's the story there so uh yes i had a lot of tools but not for the <laughs> not for the reason you're thinking <laughs> i actually sold tools so i had i had like thousands and thousands of dollars of the tools um uh and that's going to come in at a second here too okay, okay. Uh, so, but no, I was never in construction. I did, ha- I did have properties. We had properties and they would come out and they would help me with the properties, help me paint. And I mean, one of the things I've always tried to do is give them the ability to do projects. I think it's very important for them to learn. Um, I've lost a lot of money and tools doing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we've had to redo projects, but I think it's very important for them to, them to figure things out. Take the hammer, take some nails and, you know, go into the woods and they just start banging things. Right. Um, so, so Chris, I mean, and, and this is all, you know, speaking to, there's multiple aspects to raising sons, right? This is not the, the focal point, right? This is not where you said, okay, I want my sons to be men and we're going to get a cabin. That wasn't, this is part it was of the not logical trend. It was not, con- yeah, right. it's not, it was just this, this desire. And we knew, we knew that, uh, we needed to give have something else. We knew that the city life, because obviously we were, we were leading, you know, we we're, were raising them a certain way, and so we did not, you know, we we by default, uh, you know, they didn't play with certain neighbors, right? So I mean, there was a certain level of that there, but we knew we needed to get out. We knew they needed them to do something different. And I think that's a big struggle today with most families is that they don't have. You think about it, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you may be in the situation. You're like, okay, what do they do? It's Saturday. Like, there's nothing to do around the house. Like, okay, do they mow the lawn again? Okay, now the lawn's mowed. Now what? So you have to find those opportunities to give your, your, your children, especially boys, the opportunity to learn how to work and work hard. Yeah, and I want to bring Tom in here on this, um, on this aspect of the conversation because I think there's, there's sort of like an underlying assumption that you've made here that we should probably draw out and, and explicitly say which is that like sort of the urban life is so easy now and we have the aid of technology and we have apps and we have um, entertainment on demand and all that stuff. I mean, there's, I mean, what would you say, Tom, to the person who would argue that a well-behaved boy is basically, I mean, it's a boy who behaves like a girl who sits there quietly and does their work and sits at a desk and is, you know, is where, you know, doesn't get their clothes dirty and all that stuff. I mean, what's, is there a fundamental difference between the sexes A and then B is what in the city life, in your view, because you've, you've lived in one of the bigger cities in America. It's true, actually. And um, my upbringing, very interestingly, I lived in the country up until I was 18 years old. We didn't have a farm, but by necessity, we did everything. My father was frugal. 
Let's just leave it at that. My father was extremely frugal. And so we were constantly repairing the house and doing things like that. And yet in my adult life and with my own family, we've lived almost exclusively in large cities across the, uh, across the country. First Boston, San Francisco area, San Jose, um, and then now the heart of America. Definitely some, some of the larger cities. And yet there, there is a, there's, there's a definite disconnect between the city life and the country life. And I'm not going to say I, I, Chris, like you, I, I have no... I have no uh, romanticized idea about what living in the country life is because it's a lot of hard work. I know a lot of farmers. I know a lot. My family was never a farmer, never. never. My parents were always academics, and and yet they purposely chose to live in the country, I think for the same reason that you bought the cabin because, sure, we could live in the city. Sure, this would be fine, but you know what? We have a lot of children, and they need to run around and get their hands dirty and really, and, and in a good sort of way, to learn the skills and, you know, if you break something, it's fine because you learn what, what you did wrong and you move forward. And you can't learn those skills in a city. And, and, and Mike, to your point, yes, there are certain virtues you, wanna, you definitely want to cultivate about uh, sitting down, you know, keeping yourself clean. But at the same time, if you're uh, the rugged farmer type and you don't know how to handle a fork and you can't talk politely to people, there's also a lack of education there. So, right, we want to make sure this is a balanced approach. And this is not to say masculinity is I'm going to smoke, smoke my cigar and drink my, drink my beer and, you know, drive my truck and wear my jeans. 24-7, because that's absolutely inappropriate in certain occasions. Well, I think the challenge is this, right? How do you, how do you give your children that, that experience? How do you raise them to show them that, you know, the, the, the hard work, right, finishing tasks? For sure. Um, you know, one of the statements that, I, that we said over and over again when my, my children were young were, how many ways there to do things? One way. <laughs> and I said, they'd say, one way. And I said, well, what, what way is that? The right way. <laughs> I said, okay, then do it. Um, and that, that kind of back and forth came up when they said, when they would look for shortcuts, okay. in doing a, in doing a job when they, um, wanted to do it and just kind of cut corners in doing something. Right. Now, but, but at the same time, I'd argue that you have to use your, you have to, you have to form your body. you have to form your mind, but forming your mind is also working smarter and not harder. Yeah. And so for sure, absolutely. I understand your point that if, if you need to do these three steps and that's it, that's the most efficient way. And you try and cut out the middle step because you're going to do a sloppy job and pe- no one's ever going to see it. That's absolutely wrong. But at the same time, if everybody's done it with these 20 steps and you can make it, you can do it with five sure, steps. Sure. So again, it comes yeah. down to teaching that discernment, Okay. So which is really hard, honestly. It, okay. So that, that, that comes back to another point is that what's the end result? What, what's the end goal? The end target sure is, is to have it look like this. Right. So whatever job that is, whether it's clean the barn out, whether that's um, what's doing the lawn in, in your home. Like what's what's the end goal? The end goal is to have it so that it's, you know, it's mowed properly. It's the uh, it's trimmed properly. And that's so that that's part of the, the reason uh, is teaching them the, the hard work. Now, can you know, you can can you get by in the city? Yes, you can. There's ways to do it. But normal city life is such that it's just easy not to do anything. It's easy because it's just there. <laughs> Everything's there for you. So, I mean, you're, you're the highlight of your weekend, and I guess this is, was part of it. The highlight was like, well, where do you go? Okay, well, you go to the mall. Go shopping. It's like, you know what? I don't want to go shopping with my kids. Today, we can't go shopping with our kids just because the images that are out there, I mean, they're impure images. And so you have to, you have to try to find them that balance, um, and it's not just the balance of always play, right? So, I mean, if you, if you teach them that, okay, let's, let's go to the park and walk, well, then it's always a playing. It's always play. It's always entertainment, okay? And so mm-hmm. the objective is how do you raise them to have a strong work ethic? How do you raise them to 
and masculinity to show sacrifice. And for us, the farm, I mean, the, the cabin gave us that opportunity. Now, it, gave, it really gave us that opportunity on several occasions uh, because the other aspect of why we bought that cabin was for security. I mean, having a big family, I mean, one of the fears I always had, and I'm sure, you know, as people listen to this podcast, you share the same fears, and that is of getting fired. You have all these kids. Like, how are you going to provide for them? And so the other goal I had was I wanted to have a, a property that was paid for and that if anything ever happened, we had a fallback position. And it just so happened that after 12 years at Timex, I got fired from my job. Um, I went through eight different management changes, and had I lasted one more month, I would have made it through the next management change. <laughs> but I didn't make it. For God's will, you know, I got fired, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But we had that to fall back on, and we had that cabin to come back to. And it, So you lived in the cabin then? Yeah, yeah. So over over the span of, I think, ten, eight, ten years we've owned it now, we've lived there Four times. Okay. Wow. Um, for, so for what, what was the that's longest, another lesson. The longest <laughs> length of time that you lived there with your full family. Uh, so we, we liked it so much, like, oh, let's move out there. We moved out there, and we said, okay, you know, it's just, yeah, it's like the intricacies of this this cabin. But um, it didn't give us what we needed to, to have, okay? And that's another lesson here. Um, so we moved back. But then after we got fired, I moved back there for 18 months, and we lived there until the current business that I'm in, my business I'm doing today, allowed us the opportunity to move move back. And now we have the two different homes, the city home and the cabin. So we've talked about several things, but something I want to come back to that you were talking about, Chris, about why is it so important to work hard, especially for sons? Uh, because everybody can work hard. Everybody has their state in life and et cetera. And so there's difficulties out, you know, in with regards to the feminine as well. But with regards to sun specifically, we go back to Genesis and we talk about the curse of the garden. And in the garden, after Adam and Eve sinned, the curse of man is to work with the spread of the sweat of his brow, right? Mm, yes. So th- th- this is something that God gave as a punishment. And that we see in the world today that you're describing is all this ease and, you know, relaxation, entertainment, uh, entertainment et cetera. Fun. Right. And so it's a direct revolution against the punishment that God gave us as a result of the of original sin, and we're revolting against that, trying to make everything easy again. And then we see this uh, effeminacy, this demasculization of the world, because it's revolting against. No, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to take this this curse that that's been given to us that we have to that God, it, though it is a curse, it's yet a blessing because this helps us overcome the. Uh, our, our fallen human nature to achieve heaven. And so in order to achieve heaven, we must face these difficulties. We must have a habit. We must build a habit in our sons specifically in leading their own families eventually one day or following their vocations, wherever it may be. But hard work is essential to achieve salvation. And and yes, and and, and your children need to see you work. We've lost that today because we work out of the home. And so that was another reason. You know, these are all unconscious reasons that just kind of came about. It was like this this feeling that I that I, I knew we like we I wanted to get back to an area where we could uh, I could work with them and have something to do because the homes we lived in were just they were very nice. Like nothing needed to get done. Maybe kill a couple of mice, mm-hmm. but I mean that was it. And so that you know the early years working with them, teaching them hard work, teaching them how to do a job. Uh, you know, to your point, Tom, is that, you know, I mean, learning how to do just basic things. I mean, we've had to dug out septic tanks. We've had to fix the well house four times. <laughs> you know, we've had to dig a well, you know, down to the barn. I mean, dig a line down to the barn. So, I mean, all these things that, that my children learn. 
and I was working with them the entire time, working with them saying, no, you know what, guys? No, we're going to pick up every single rock. So that's the right way to do it. So the, the, the first point is, is that you need to teach them how to do hard work. But even before then, you're saying that one of those principles of raising sons effectively is giving a good example. Y- yes, you need to work As with the them. father. Yes, you need to work with them so they see that example. You can't just say, hey, go do this. It, it, at, at first, there's a there's very much of a uh, they need to see you and be with you and you're working together and you are you're you're attacking the job together. So you know one instance when we go there is we get in the tractor uh, tractor Cub Cadet. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, tractor. I do I do have a tractor. a tractor. <laughs> I do have a big tractor, but the small tractor and we walk around along and pick up all the branches. Mm-hmm. We go together and every all my you know ten children or whatever that are there. We just point out, and we do it all together. And with that mentality that there's one way to do something, and that's the right way, and if it takes a little bit longer, that's okay because that's what we're doing. If we can cut out, you know, the Thomas point, if we can cut it out, hey, listen, we're not, we're not trying to work stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're trying – so the, the end – the goal here is not um, just to get the cabin, right? I mean, sure. Although that was, was – there was multiple reasons in there, but it was to raise them to learn the value of work, to learn the value of that masculinity of sacrifice – and, and being able to do the hard jobs. Right. Because yeah, these days, when you go to the office, all the children see is you're just gone. And may, maybe you're wearing a suit, or maybe you're, you know, maybe you're wearing overalls, but the point is they don't see you coping with adversity, having to attack a problem. They don't see you exercising patience or <laughs> impatience, whatever the case may be, as you are coping with um, a project. And so they don't learn how to do it themselves. And I think the I think a, a follow on to that is a lot of work today that professionals do very is very mental work, and so it's equally demanding. It's just as demanding in a different in a different sort of way as if you were out digging a ditch. Sure, because it's also least, hard work. It is hard work. Yes, it, and we're not we're not denying that at all. And for good or for ill, most people nowadays, I would say that that are listening to this, are engaged in some kind of mental work. You're not running a bobcat for eight hours a day as as yeah. your job, and maybe you are. And yet the fact is when your children see you working on the computer or doing whatever type of work you're doing, it, it's not the same mm-hmm. as picking up a sledgehammer and breaking the rock or digging out the stump. And I think, Chris, I'm, what I'm really getting from you, kind of reading between the lines and around of what you're saying, the point is not that you're trying to teach your children to be laborers because whatever their vocation in life should be later on, the point is it's, it seems to me that, one, that you're really t- teaching them a sort of general principle that work hard and ho- however that is. But it's also the physical subjugation of the body, really, yeah, exactly, to be yeah. able to be in control. And that's a very military thing, right? So you have to, you have to um, control yourself and you have to be able to – it's self-discipline. It's like martial arts. It's like anything else. You have self-discipline. At so Restoring that- the Faith, we know all about the crisis in the church. Throughout history, there have always been dangers plaguing the church, sometimes from within, sometimes from without. Yet we choose not to focus on this current church crisis and treat it rather as a symptom than as a disease. We know that we have recourse to the deposit of faith, to the patrimony of the magisterium, to our ancient sacred tradition, and to the loving gaze of Our Lady Queen of Heaven. We also know that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Let us carry on, then, in reconstituting the lost splendor of our holy faith. Join us at RestoringTheFaith.com. All right, so we were talking during the break about um, sort of 
some of the points that we want to make here that, that I think are interesting. We've already sort of made the point that your children, they see you go to work, you're gone, and then you come back. And then when you would come home, I mean, you're mentally fried. You are slayed at the end of the day. And a lot of times, look, you just you want to sit down. You want to talk to your family, maybe have a drink, uh, and and just relax your mind. And I can and, really see, and that's how, all they see, and how children would would associate that with masculinity. That's all they see. That's dad comes home, see. and dad wants to sit down and read the paper and just relax. And it's so justifiable ma- because listen, you've worked a hard day—ten hours, twelve hours—you come home, and that's all they see. Exactly. They see the fathers. They see them. They see them recreating. Okay. Now you couple that. You couple that with with the levels of sedation that we have, and this is an interesting thing because we call we call it sedation in our home. Okay, so it's like, hey, daddy, can I sedate with a movie, right? Because that's what it is. It's sedation. Okay, oh and so we, we call okay. it by the, we call it by okay. the proper. So time. the first time one of your boys asked my daughter on a date, and is, is he going to say, "Do you want to go sedating with me on a sedate?" <laughs> <laughs> but but Chris, you made <clears throat> you made a fantastic point. You said recreate. What what is recreation, and what is that in di- def- in in distinction from entertainment or sedation? Okay, so obviously the Catholic notion of re- recreate would be to recreate ourselves in 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 our faith, right? In God and prayer and our spirit, right? So whether that I mean that can take different actions and different points, right? I mean, like you look at the monks, I mean, part of the rec- their recreation is taking a walk, right? Um, so in that sense, but I, I guess I didn't mean that in that sense with how they, they really they they see men uh coming home and not not sedating but they they just see them coming home and they they're just they want to recline you know i mean they've had a hard day the, at work and so, and so that's so you couple all these things with with the challenge that you have today as a father okay you have a very real a real uh, we have a very real a challenge right how do we overcome this how do we overcome and the levels of sedation today are so much greater than when i started out okay my my little two two month old is gonna have so much so many more distractions and and that's what the phone is today. It is it is sedation. Um, and you're going to a different world. And you're and you then you stop. Then you truly don't sacrifice. Yeah, we 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 have basically layers of novelty upon novelty that we cope with now in the modern world. Because even this notion of dad being a professional, leaving the house to earn his living, apart from the children, being out of earshot of the mother, and the children not witnessing the father working or being a part of his trade or his guild or whatever it is, that itself is a novelty. Mm -hmm. But then even compounded on that is all the technology and all the cross-eyed, hunchback little children who spend all of their time hunched over in front of a laptop or in front of a computer um, on their phones, um, having having non-human interactions, digital interactions with all of their friends. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, is, have, that has been implied here, Chris, that we should draw out is one of the ways in which your boys get to witness you working is that they are schooled at home. Right, right. And we haven't said that yet, and I think that that's sort of an important component to what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. The homesch- homeschooling is a must today. I mean, it truly is a must for boys to to uh, for all children actually, right? I mean, it, it, to avoid the uh, you know, okay, lack of better world indoctrination, right? Mm-hmm. That's out there today. Uh, but they have being at home. They see me working. I work at home also uh, the last several years, four years, and so they see me on a daily basis. And so, okay, I'm going to digress just one little bit, okay? So one thing that I do with my girls now, which is something that has, has helped them out, is they'll come in and they'll bring me coffee. They'll bring me tea. And they'll bring that servicial that servicialness of uh, the femininity, okay? The feminine nature of, of you know, serving, the feminine nature. 
Uh, and that translates over into helping out with the baby, helping out with dishes, helping out. You know, so there's this natural want to want of girls to to honor their father. There's natural want of girls to help their father, and so I allow them that opportunity. Now, you know, they come in, they claim my office. I'll give them a dollar. I'll give them ten cents for the coffee. Right? It's they're nothing big, um, and they like it. and They giggle, you know. And I I say, you know, do you want you know two two dimes or you know you want one quarter? I want one quarter, but two's more than one, right? So I have that fun with them interaction throughout the day. But I'm allowing that op- them, my girls, that opportunity to serve. Um, and uh, one other, I think, main point that I'm realizing now over the last two years is this thought of meditation for boys. We teach them prayer and by the, the rosary because we say the rosary every day as a family. We've said that every day for, I don't know, years and years and years. But what we don't do is teach them to meditate. And there's a difference between vocal prayer and meditation. I don't know if you've done a, if you've done a podcast on that, but that, that in and of itself is a great podcast. And so the challenge I have for my boys now that I realized that I didn't do when they were younger is to, to challenge them every morning to meditate first thing in the morning. And so what I've started to do in the morning is 5 o'clock from 5 to 5.30, actually 5 to like 6.00. I do my meditation, the seven stars of Our Lady, and um, and I several of my, my two oldest boys now do their meditations. Uh, but I'm I'm challenging my other sons uh, that are of age. Okay, so my my sons are older, my daughters mm-hmm. also, but to meditate. I think it's very very important. I think that is an absolute must for families for men to meditate first thing in the morning. How how do how do you start meditating? I know that people. I think uh, I think a lot of our listeners may not know what meditation is. And how that differs from prayer. What What is meditation and how do you get started doing that? Okay, I am by all means not the expert here, but there's a book and I can't remember it. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes or something. Uh, but I had a little pamphlet on the seven sorrows. And maybe you guys can supply that. But you know, it's, it goes through and it literally walks you through the first sorrow of Our Lady. Gotcha. Um, I'm drawing a blank now. The first sorrow of Our Lady is the, uh, is the presentation of the temple. Correct. And so we think about how... Prophecy of Simeon. Prophecy of Simeon. Yeah, technically. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Same same thing. And, and, you know, maybe you can correct me here, okay? But basically, Simeon said, you know, that... that uh, our Lord would be a contradiction from and, and, the, and the fall of many. And I think about that. And so you stop and you think, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean in my life? Where am I a contradiction? Where am I lying? Okay. Actually, I want to bring that point up after this. Okay. Okay. That's very important. So this contradiction. So I start there. And then, then it goes into saying that our, our you know, he, then he, Simon, Simeon goes to Our Lady and says, out of many hearts, thoughts may be revealed. And how Our Lady reveals in, like, reveals things. You pray to Our Lady to reveal What's happening in your family? You pray to Our Lady to reveal what you should do. You pray to I pray to Our Lady to reveal, you know, what do I love that I that I don't know that I shouldn't love? Like what do I really love our Lord? Okay, and so you stop and and you and I go through the seven sorrows, and I would say that is an excellent excellent start to meditation. So what so, you're really saying, Chris, is that meditation is is not reading a prayer, reading a, a holy book or something like that, um, saying some kind of formula, but really it's praying within your own mind, using whatever type of words you want, and it's really talking directly to God, m- mentally, of course. Which is it's why a second-level prayer. Which is why it's called mental prayer. mental prayer. Meditation. Exactly. It's only the second level. Like, you're not even like a hero. You're like... Not even there. Like, you're only like you're not at the unitive, only, you know, station. Yeah, right, you, like it's the life. second step, guys. Yeah, you know, right, it, it's Catholic, yeah, and right. so, but it allows you it allows you to think. It allows you to to, and so, what I've noticed in my children is that they're like what happens is that they say, you know, you, like you, every Saturday I read uh, the. Um, Sermons for Sunday, Saint Thomas, Saint Alphonse Liguori, phenomenal. Did it for years. My son's like, yeah, yeah. And so for years, I'm like, I'm awesome. Like they get it. And then I said one day, what did you hear from this? And I got blank stares. Like they didn't internalize any of it. Okay, <laughs> like, like they weren't like they were listening, but they weren't hearing. Okay, and so it's a massive difference. 
And so today, when I when I do that, I say, I go around the room. I say, "What did you hear? What did you get from this?" What'd you? And we will literally sit there sometimes for an hour and a half, going around the room until I say, "What did you hear? What did you?" Okay, you know what? I'm gonna read this word for word, right? Um, if you're any any uh, movie, uh, movie buffs, that's off of Guys and Generals. But uh, <laughs> we literally, I'll read it word for word. I'll take another hour. I'll read it word for word. Sure. Until they get it. So it's this thought of can they mentally get it? And then I ask them, okay, what do you what based on this? What are you committed to doing today? Okay, which is a whole nother a whole nother topic in itself. But meditation is the as a man as a father i firmly believe now with all the conviction that i have that men if you are not meditating first in the morning you are doing a disservice to your family and to yourself so i, I just put one little interjection in here so there is uh, another book called the three ages of the interior life that i believe that okay. we're all familiar with um it's by uh, garagou lagrange and I want to make sure to get this out here because it was always a struggle for me because my father really didn't get to a point of the interior life till I was um, much older in, in my own life. But when I read this uh, last year during Lent, the best explanation for meditation that I've ever heard was from him, Garagou Lagrange, who is saying that, you know those, I, I'm going to butcher the, this in paraphrasing, but says, you know those conversations that you have with yourself constantly, that they're ongoing, you, you're constantly yeah. talking to yourself, what's going on with this, what am I going to do now, what is, you know, how do I make this happen, blah, 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 blah. He says, imagine having that same conversation and talk to God when you're doing that as opposed to talking to yourself. That's where you make that break in meditation. That's where you actually know that you're beginning to start meditating. This gives you the ability to stop. Okay, think about when you are tempted with, with sin. It gives you the ability to stop because you've trained your mind in the morning. You've focused on God in the morning. And so, uh, you know, if you are a Catholic father, this is bold, okay, this is a bold statement. You have to meditate. It is a must, first thing in the morning, so that you start your day off mentally thinking. It's not, I'm talking about the rosary, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, meditation, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Start with 15 minutes on the latest sorrows. You have to do it because that is, is, the, is the foundation for your day. It allows you to think, it allow, and... and I think that's the biggest missing link to, in, in Catholic men today and Catholic children today is that they don't even think about it. They, it's just rote. It's, it's like they mm. – and so you wonder uh, – well, okay, I'll leave it at that. You have to, you have to think. That story uh, is akin to a story uh, written about a, um, a bishop who um, asked one of the priests in his chancery to do a study, and he says, uh, you know, Father, I want you to um, conduct a study in the diocese and figure out – how can I increase the number of vocations in the diocese, right? And so the priest, you know, he goes out and he does his thing, and he's, he's interviewing people and collecting data, and he writes a report. But the last sentence in the report is, but more than anything, Your Excellency, the biggest catalyst for Catholic priests in this diocese would be your canonization. Uh, and so mm. you, if you are not prepared if your interior life is off, right. then they're not going to get it. They're, I mean, they're going to follow your example. Hey, so one of the other things you do, Chris, that is really interesting, um, the introduction of physical fitness, physical, physical activity, exercise mm. to your boys when you're not out uh, working um, on the cabin, which I just love the cabin, so we're going to go back to that, I'm sure. Um, but when you're, when you're at your house... How important is physical fitness both to you personally and to your boys? Wow. Okay. Big. That's a big topic. That's a loaded topic. (laughs) 
Okay, because this we do not do sports, right? And and the reason is is that uh, there's there's a book. I, I wish I could remember it. Wish I could remember it. Um, well, Joel, I mean, it was by uh, Joel something. Uh, the, the dangers of organized sports. Well, okay, you don't know but, what parents are going to show up there. You don't know what you know what's going to happen. Okay. The locker room talk, all that stuff. It, exactly, but it's also a lie because listen, you bring your kids, you 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 bring them to the sport. You're doing everything for them. That's not the point. That was never the point mm. of sports back in the day. When you think about it, when I grew up, we would like organize it together. We were the referee. We were the we were the 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 coach. We were you know we were negotiating on both sides. Hey, what what that was? No one, the referee was telling you that. Mm-hmm. If you got in a fight, you got in a fight. I mean, Babe, listen, Babe Ruth learned how to play baseball in the streets of you know okay. uh, the, the New York, right? Wait, so there were no tripods from parents, <laughs> camcorders, <laughs> tripod parents capturing every moment that Johnny did. Pretty yeah. pretty sure the word helicopter parenting was invented to talk about parents dropping their kids off and picking it up from sports. Exactly. So there, there's the, there's this. Tremendous pressure that parents get. Oh, what sports are your kids in? Oh, not any sports. Okay, because all all that is that's it's. I mean, okay. Once again, bold statements, and I'm sure we make make someone mad. But consider the possibility. Consider the possibility that you're using that as a babysitter. Okay, what skills are they truly going to gain from that that they couldn't gain from that in something else? Right. And so that that's that's how I that's the lens that I look at sports through. Oh, but they're going to learn teamwork. Okay, that's great. But what else can they learn? I mean, I would rather have them doing something that was going to help them later on with their profession than uh, in uh, that valuable time. So back to physical sport. You know, how do they get physical? That's once again is what one of the issues with today. What can they do? Um, you know, my children end up playing games outside a lot. Uh, but that's what, going back. That's why another reason why I got the cabin. When they go to the cabin, they play. I mean, they built a massive like uh, fort in in the wood. They cho- chop down trees. You know, they built it themselves. Uh, it's truly amazing what they've done with their imagination, with their creativity. I mean, they find you know they find they find tasks to do. Um, so I, I'm assuming there's another aspect to you raising your sons that they have to learn another important lesson in life is authority and the authority of the father. How, how do you instill that in them? I mean, that's natural, uh, just because of how well I should say it's natural, but yeah, um, you, you make it look natural. Is what you're saying. <laughs> it, it, it's the natural it evolution good. of having a family life, of leading your family, of of taking the reins as a man of the, your family's spiritual life. You are the head. You are responsible for everything that happens in that family. If you are upset, it's because you're upset with yourself and you did not do something that should have been done. You have not led your family. Mm-hmm. So as the father, as, as the man, you're responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that naturally comes, when you take that responsibility on, it naturally comes that there's a natural awe for, for your children, for you. They want to please you. Now, here's here's where it also, there's another lesson as they get older, is that you're leading them. I tell my children, you have confession, you have confirmation, you have, you know, you've received the Holy Eucharist. Listen, you have the grace. <laughs> So it's up to you to make these right decisions. I'm here to lead you. And so there's natural because as they get older, as they get to 18, 19, I'm no longer telling them what to do, but it's like leading them mm-hmm. what to do. And that's, I think, where some parents go wrong is they try to micromanage them. But you're not. You're you're the, you're the, you're leading them. And I tell them, like, I'm here so you like, to be your guide. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm here to lead you. Right. So, so, for example, if you said, hey, I need to go chop down that tree, you're not going to be standing that you know, after they've been educated on how to use the proper tool, et cetera, and so on and so forth. You're not still standing there right next to them. Saying okay, now now you chop here, now you chop here. No, you you already know how to do this. I have given you a command. You go chop down that tree, and I trust you to use the skills that I taught you. Yeah, there's a story by Franklin Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You, probably, you know this story where, where he says, you know, he he gives the kid like he's cleaning the front yard. He says, okay, you know, do we know what you got to do? And so he walked him around the front yard. He showed him everything he had to do. 
And um, he, he said, okay, now what we're going to do every week, I'm going to inspect this and see how you did. And so he, you know, he says, okay, great. You know, we, we got it. You know, he understood exactly what the expectations were. The father came home the first day and he noticed there was some things out. And he said to the son, hey, son, how's it going? Oh, great, dad. It's going well. You know, <laughs> he came on the second day, the third day. Oh, great, dad. You know, um, and at this, when it came time to check it, he walked around the yard with the kid and said, okay, listen, like, here's what we agreed to. Here's what we said and do. What happened? And the kid broke down. said, oh, dad, it's too hard. You know, I can't do it. But in the end, what it was, it was a commitment, right? So the kid left with a, with a greater commitment to, to do that, to do that task. Now, um, Back to that comment I made before, and that is like, what's the biggest lie, right? I mean, we talk, we're Catholic. We go to confession, right? We say, oh, I'm not a liar. Really? <laughs> not a liar? You say you're committed to this, family rosary, but you're not doing it. You say you're committed to this, but you're not doing it. So the biggest lie we tell is to ourselves, okay? And so that that's where confession comes in, is you're teaching your children to tell the truth. But that truth needs to extend to how in the commitments that they make, are you committed? And this level of commitment is, I will do anything I have to do um, is when you burn every single bridge and you're committed to doing that task. And so that's another great skill you can teach your children is that, are you committed? What are you committed to doing? And and literally tell them, like, hey, listen, the, the biggest lie you tell is to yourself. I tell my children that is to yourselves. You tell yourself lies, okay? And that extends to confession. Are you lying? Like, you know, thinking about this aspect of telling the truth. And when you go to the confessional, you simply accuse yourself. I did this, right? So it, it's a natural carryover into that. So, Chris, so, when you're saying commitment, you're really talking about uh, the fact of owning what you've done. So it's not necessarily commitment in the sense that I will do this or I will do this, but it's here are the things that I've done in the past. And yes, I did that. I did this thing right. I did this thing wrong and accepting responsibility for it, really. So maybe that's the, the commitment that you're talking about. Well, it's that commitment, but it's, it's, it's what do you say you're committed to? Are you committed to leading your family? Really, you are. You say the family rosary. Are you, are you committed? Be honest with yourself. And that honesty is a conversation you have with your children. That honesty then leads. See, when you have these conversations, when you lead your family, when you teach your family, okay, every Saturday we did the San Alfonso Liguri Sermons for Sunday. Every Sunday we read the gospel and we read the explanations of the gospel in the church year and in the red book. What's the red book? Um, the other books. Uh, oh, the Holy uh, Hour? Cornelius. Cornelius. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we, we would read that. Okay, so I'm, you're leading your family. You're leading them spiritually. That's what men do. You are you are in charge of your family. All right, so um, to, to maybe this will be the, my last question about your family, and then I kind of want to hear a little bit about what you're doing professionally and kind of give you a plug there. But uh, the question is, obviously, you are a very experienced father. You have 13 children. You've got kids who are on the cusp of leaving the house and all of these things. If you had to go back in time, um, you know, you've talked about getting close to nature and dealing with animals and being in the country and doing hard work and, and seeking the arduous. If you had to go back in time when you had your professional job, let's say, um, what would you have done differently? Or are there anything that you would have implemented, let's say, when you lived in, a, in, in more of an urban environment in order to help raise those boys um, differently maybe 10, 15 years ago? Meditation. Teaching my children to meditate. Teaching them with me being an example I would have, first of all, what I would have done is with me. I would have changed me. I would have meditated every morning at five o'clock. And I think that alone will have a, a, a more profound impact on your family than you will ever know. Amazing. <laughs> all right. So tell us a little bit, Chris, um, about what you do professionally and, um, you know, just give us a scoop. So I think it's pretty interesting. <laughs> so on this journey, I was working through the company for 12 years. My greatest fear is to be fired. And I got fired. Like, like literally kept me up at night. You know, I mean, I would go the extra effort to please my bosses to do everything I possibly could because I feared, like, what would happen? How would I provide for my family? And 
but at the same point, I knew that the man that I was going to become, the man that, that, that God wants me to become, the man that I'm hunting, was so much greater than the position I was in. So it was a blessing that I got fired. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It was also the hardest thing that ever happened to me because it took me down to, to this pit where I had to become and I had to, to understand this level of commitment with myself. Uh, this, um, in this interim, the uh, old, actually was, she was the, in my wife's wedding. She reached out to me just like serendipitously, uh, like three, two months after I got fired and said, hey, like there's this domain thing uh, selling, uh, basically helping brands own their identity online by owning their domain name. Okay, so it's a branding and a marketing issue. And I completely different industry. I was calling on Walmart, managing hundred million dollar accounts, uh, teams of ten people, you know, big budgets, uh, and I was I was the uh, the team leader for that. So it was completely different. Now it's like online. It's this this big world. Uh, and I I did that. I started doing that uh, about four years ago, four and a half years ago. My dates are all a little bit uh, um, off, but it, four to five years ago I started doing that. And that is we don't we I, don't fact check on the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, but but you know that that's where I'm at today. Absolutely love it. It's taken me. It's really taken me on a uh, a completely different journey. Uh, but I would say this. I would say there's different in, there's different points in my journey where I had to make this decision. I remember one one time I was in the cabin. My wife came down to me. She goes, "Chris, what are you doing? Like you're all over the place." And I was doing this internet thing. I was like, "But yo, honey, listen, I'm gonna make it." And at this point, we had. $10,000 in our bank account. So like, it was almost like done. We're like, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to have to, you know, sell the tractor. Um, I don't know. Like, we're to really cut things back. You know, we own, the, own our house free and clear, so that helped. And she's like, you just, you don't seem passionate. You don't seem like you have clarity. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting downstairs and I'm like, I'm going to do this, this. And she goes, okay. And that was this this point when I realized that I, the man that I was going to become in my in my business, I had a very successful business now, making a lot of money. Uh <laughs> But the man that I was going to become had to have more conviction, had to have more passion, and had to go all in. And that started this 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 other leg of my journey today that led me to meditation, that led me to my morning routine in the morning, um, and that led me to to really uh, getting out there in a more meaningful way with, vid- with doing videos, with doing my own podcast, with with my outreach. Uh, but it's interesting. So when when you look at men, if you if you if you look at a man, say, you know, where where do you want to be in a year from now? I don't know. It's a problem. See, because you have to be ex- you have to be expanding. And growing. You have to be going after something. Now, as Catholic men, we're going, we want to become saints, right? Okay, what does that mean? If you're, if you look in 10 years from now, if you're doing what you're doing today, will you, will you be that? Chances are probably not, right? And so it, it, the, the line that I like is that, do you have 20 years experience or do you have one year experience lived 20 times? And uh, that was the journey I went on. I think I rambled on here, but what I'm doing today is do you, I'm, I'm selling, I'm selling domain names. Do you have, do you have a website? <laughs> do you have a brand? Do you have anything yeah, so you, that we can? Yes, yeah, so you can check it out at uh, chrisziker.com, Z-U-I-K-E-R.com. Fantastic. Um, Chris, just uh, before we let you go, um, could you tell us just in a quickly how you think that this this learning experience that you had, how did you transmit the the learning experiences that we have throughout our lives? How do you how did you transmit that to your sons? So in the okay, so uh, exactly those 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 comments, right? So meditation, telling them they need to meditate in the morning, being an example of meditating every morning at five o'clock. There's no sleeping in. You you meditate, you get up. So that's number one. The thought of honesty, Catholic honesty. Are you honest? Honest. Are you are you honest with yourself? The thought of commitment. Are you truly committed to to going after this? The thought of what are you going after? Having having a target that you're trying to go after continually. Are you going after that target? And uh, those would be those would be the big ones. So thanks so much for being with us today, Chris Syker, all the way up here in the heart of America from North Arkansas. ChrisSyker.com. 